Hey, I want to thank you for being back in God's house. I know every week we're seeing people kind of come back off of vacation mode, and it's so good to start seeing um, people get back into the fold. And, and still, those people who are watching online, we want to say um, hello to you too this morning. We miss you. Um, I love seeing people. Um, so you can see me, but I can't see you. So um, you're the one that's really <laughs> caught the short end of that stick. Um, but anyway, Hey, I do want to encourage you. Um, I actually forgot to mention this the first service. Um, you know, I don't know what your schedule looks like during the week, but on Wednesday nights, we have started Pray For here where we gather together on Wednesday nights and we simply do just that. We just simply get in the presence of God and we pray and we seek God's face. And I'm just gonna tell you this past Wednesday night, if you weren't here, you missed out because the presence of God sat down on this place. And it was one of the sweetest nights of prayer that I've ever been a part of. So I encourage you this Wednesday night, we'll be back here um, to simply do just that. Um, we're gonna start the night out with a little worship and then we're just gonna simply approach the throne room of God through the blood of Christ. And, and I'm excited about being here to pray. Um, but I know this morning, a lot of you, you get real excited to come hear my dumb stories. Because I usually have a Cooperism or I have some kind of family story that kind of kicks the day off. But, but just to be honest today, I don't have one. Okay, so I apologize. Because y'all are really the only people that think I'm funny. Okay, my wife gets mad at you for laughing at me because she thinks that I'm not funny at all. So I really appreciate it. When y'all see her out today, she's over there with the students right now. If y'all see her, just say, your husband is the funniest person I think I've ever met. It will really burn her up. But anyway, but honestly, I'm so excited because of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And I know that may sound kind of strange because if you've been reading along with us, you know, we've talked every week of how God has met us right where we are in his word and how we've been able to celebrate how his word is still alive, his, his word is still ministering to us. But when we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 16 this week, if you're like me, I looked at chapter 16 and I went, what in the world am I gonna get from this? How in the world, God, can you meet us where we're at? Because that really didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And so I do what I do, and I crawled up under my desk. Started actually Monday. That's how desperate I was. Usually it's on Tuesdays. But I got under my desk, and you're thinking, what is under his desk? That's where I pray for those who don't know. Um, it's the only place that I can kind of get by myself. So I crawl up under my desk, and I begin to ask the Lord, God, you're going to have to show me in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, God, what you have for us. And, and again... God never ceases to amaze me what he does. And, and today we get ready to close out this, this study that we've been doing in 1 Corinthians. And just to be honest, it's kind of bittersweet. Because of God's faithfulness throughout the last four to five months during the season of COVID-19, during all the dissension that's going on in our country, it's every week we've opened his word, he has met us right there. And that is what has been so encouraging to me. And, and when we read um, chapter 16, it's almost like this chapter is disconnected from the rest of the book. And so, but when you start to study, because we see that how it is really all intertwined together, because up to this point, Paul has really had to go in and kind of just straighten the church at Corinth out. We know that he has addressed all kinds of conflict. He's addressed all kinds of false teachings. He's had to address people using their gifts in the wrong way. He's had to do this. He's really had to put his foot down in this whole chapter. But what he's gonna end today kind of as the, the signing off of, of, of the letter to Corinth. And what he kind of leaves them with today is almost kind of, I guess you would call it some instruction. Uh, maybe it's a challenge. Maybe it's some direction. 
But what I want us to do today, what God has really impressed on my heart is how I want us to see the way Paul leaves the church at Corinth. I want us to look and, and kind of look at that through the, the lenses of what God is doing in our church here at Chestnut Mountain. I know a lot of times that we always talk and preach about being outside the four walls. We always talk about the big C church. But today the Holy Spirit has led me. I want to celebrate what God's doing in our house. Because this is where God has called us. This is our family. And I want us today to take just the morning today to celebrate what God has been doing in the life of our church family here. And so when Paul gives them the direction or the instruction or the challenge, he, what he's gonna tell them about is kind of, he wants to give them the idea of the responsibility that they have now moving forward of how they are to steward certain things. And he's gonna talk about stewardship. Stewardship, just to kind of so that it'll clear it up, it is a careful and a responsible management of something trusted to one's care. And so he's wanting Corinth to understand, look, God has given you certain things. Now your duty as a follower of Christ, as the church, is to steward the very thing that he's given you. And so he's going to address three things that he's calling Corinth to steward. And this is the very same thing that God calls us as Chestnut Mountain Church to steward. And those three things that he's gonna look at today are obviously finances and money. He's gonna tell them how to steward opportunity. And he's also going to encourage them on how to steward the people who God sends. And so we're gonna start out by looking at the stewardship of money. And I know this is probably one we don't like to talk about very often, but man, we're gonna celebrate it in just a moment and you'll see where I'm going with this. I want you to read with me in verses one through four. First Corinthians chapter 16, and Paul writes this in the ending of his letter. He says, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and to save as he may prosper so that no collection be made when I come. And when I arrive, whomever you may approve, I will send them with letters to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And if it is fitting for me to go also, they will go with me. And so how he starts out this, this, the ending of this letter is he wants to, to challenge Corinth the very same way that he said he challenged Galatia. And if you look back in Galatians chapter two, I think it's verse 10, you hear Paul's heart. He talks about how he takes the monies. He's taken what God has given him and his responsibility is to take care of the poor. And that is exactly what he's talking about, about taking the gift that Corinth collects and taking it to Jerusalem. He's taking it to the people who are in need of it. And we already see what Paul's heart is. He sees outside the four walls of the church. He sees that it's not about only what's going on in Corinth, but he's wanting to take the gifts that have been given in Corinth, taking their, what they've been open-handed with, and he's putting it to work. How many times do we make an investment and we want it to be put to work? We're entrusting it to someone or something, but we want it to produce fruit. And so that's what he's wanting Corinth to understand. He says, look, all I want you to do is give and we're going to make an investment into the kingdom and we're going to see the fruits of that. And so he's encouraging them to understand that it's not necessarily about the dollar amount that you're giving, but it's about the state of the heart when you give. 
You notice he didn't mention a percentage. He didn't mention anything of a number, but he says, give as the Lord prospers. And so that's what we got to see today, that when we give, when we are open-handed with what God has given us, for each and every single person in this room, it's going to look different. It's going to look different. And when I'm saying it's going to look different, it's going to look different with the amounts. But the one thing that we all have in common, the one thing that we all need to be focused on is what is the condition of our heart when we're open-handed with what God has given us. That is what's the same is the state of our hearts when we are open-handed with what God has given us. And so he's challenging Corinth. Look, I want you to do exactly what I challenged Galatia to do. And one of the things that we say around here a lot of times is this. When your obedience combines with God's power, lives are changed. That's all about a condition of the heart. When your obedience is combined with God's power, that is when we see life change. When we see life change in the baptismal pool, when we see life change of our church family growing and and growing together and growing in Christ, all that is all a direct reflection of your obedience combining with God's power. And so I wanna take a time out just for a minute to, to sort of celebrate what God has, do, has done over the last five months. There's been this thing going on called COVID-19, the coronavirus, I don't know if you've heard about it, but that's kind of taken up our last five months of our life, has absolute caused chaos. And I would absolutely be lying to you if I said that when March happened, when we found out we were gonna to have to suspend us meeting together here, when we found out all of these stipulations, when the quarantine happened, I would be lying if I didn't tell you that I wasn't concerned. God, what, what's the church gonna do? Are people gonna watch us? Are, are people gonna to continue to give so that we can keep doing ministry? And look, I want you to hear my heart. I'm not concerned about payroll. I'm not concerned about our salaries. What I'm concerned about is that the kingdom work continues on. That's what our heart is about. And so when March happened, I was going, hmm, what are we going to do? But I stand here today and I want to celebrate what you have done. Since March, If you look at our e-news, I don't know if some of you may not get it, but you can subscribe to it. And it's all of kind of the updates of what's going on in the church. And if you look at it at the end of every month, you will see what our monthly need is. And then you will see the monthly amount that we've taken in. Did you know that over the five months of COVID-19 that we have outgiven ourselves $138,000 over what we needed to keep doing ministry? Can I tell you that is because of a heart of surrender? And now let's take it a step further. I got very curious. And so I asked him and I asked Ms. June, I said, let's look at the numbers for the five months leading up to March. Did you know that we've outgiven ourselves by $125,000 in the season of COVID-19 as the months prior leading up to that, we've given $125,000 more than we did since COVID happened. That is only by your heart being surrendered to the work of an almighty God. Oh yeah, and to mention, you may not know how 
you know, we have a commitment to the bank on this building. I wish it was paid for, but we're not quite there yet. But on July 25th, we had to write a check for $240,000 to make sure that commitment was taken care of. And guess what? We did. And the ministry never stopped. And here's the beauty thing. I never had to stand up here and beg you for it. I never mentioned it because you were obedient to what God impressed on your heart to be open-handed with. And for that, I say thank you. Thank you that you have been obedient to the spirit of God leading you and guiding you. Because you know, when we see a surrendered heart, it equals our hands being opened with what God has given us. And then when our hands are opened with what God has given us, we're gonna see that it provides opportunity. It provides opportunity. And I want you to look at some of the opportunities that, that Paul talks about in verses five through seven. I'm gonna emphasize some words and some phrases here. And I think you'll kind of understand where I'm going in just a minute. But Paul says, but I will come to you after I go through Macedonia. For I am going through Macedonia and perhaps will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may send me on my way wherever I may go. For I do not wish to see you now just in passing for I hope to remain with you for some time if the Lord permits. Now, the reason that I emphasize all of the phrases and the words that I did is because this is a type A person's absolute nightmare. Did you hear all of the uncertainty in what Paul just said? He used the word, all of the if, maybe, there's a chance. You know, I was all of these things and you're going, this dude don't have a clue. So when we see that, what we think about Paul initially is we look at him and we say, man, that's just a dude who flew by the seat of his pants. And for some of you are going, praise God, I'm a lot like Paul. But what we learn about Paul is that that's not really what is going on here at all. What we learn about Paul is that he was much more surrendered to the Holy Spirit than he was his schedule. Because he can have all of these plans. He can, he, you can see there, he said, after I go to Macedonia, after I do this, here's what I'm thinking I'm gonna do. But you know what? I'm willing enough to lay my schedule, to lay my agenda down and just seek God's face and ask the Lord what he wants us to do. And so I look at that through the eyes of what God's been doing here at Chestnut Mountain. And I go back to like the end of January, 1st of February and you know, as we got ready to move forward in 2020, you know, we were all so excited just for a new year. You know, I saw a thing the other day on Facebook and I'm not gonna repeat it because it's really not appropriate, but it said basically, so we stayed up till midnight and we screamed shout happy new year for this mess. We'll just leave it at that. And so here we are, 2020, we have all these hopes and these dreams and, and look for a pastor, that's so exciting of, of God, where are you gonna lead us in 2020? And God laid three words on our heart. And you may remember it, but our focus was gonna be groups, going and giving. And so we dove into a three week series to talk about all three of those topics. And here's the victory in it. 
We launched some new small groups. I think we launched about four or five new small groups. And then our attendance and our regular small groups that were already in existence, it just skyrocketed because we saw the importance of being connected with the church family. And then we talked about giving and obviously we see what the results of giving have been. But then we even had going. And, and you know that our, our mission statement here is to, to saturate the world with the good news that we're always gonna be about the four walls outside the four, those four walls. And so we're always doing work in the community. We're always trying to find open doors to where we can be a, a, a light into our community. And we also do stuff internationally. And we had a, a mission trip planned for Nepal. We had already sent one team to Nicaragua. We were getting ready to send about 20 plus people from here to Nepal. And all of a sudden, guess what? Everything stopped. Everything stopped. And I remember going, God, I know I heard you. I know that you want our focus to be these three things, but, but God, what does that look like now? And so God quickly, by the power of his spirit, led us to the book of 1 Corinthians. And man, I think with all the confidence that I can have, that that is exactly where God wanted us to be. So what I want you to hear is that while your heart has been surrendered, while your heart or open hand, you've been open-handed with what God has given you, I want you to know that you've got a team here that is much more surrendered to God's agenda than our own. And I am thankful for a team who can learn the favorite word of 2020, and that's pivot. We're just gonna change direction. I remember there was the other day, Angie walked into my office and I had my little whiteboard over on the wall and she goes, Brian, you do realize your calendar still says March at the top. And I looked at her and I laughed. I said, Angie, what's the point? What's the point in putting a calendar out there? Because it's gonna change tomorrow. It's gonna change next week. But guys, our duty and responsibility here is to be sold out to be surrendered to God's agenda, not our own. And when you're open-handed and when we're surrendered to God's schedule and God's timing, that is when we are going to see doors blow wide open for us as a church. And that's exactly what he's talking about in verses eight and nine. Look at what he says. I love how he words this. He says, but I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door for effective service has opened to me and there are many adversaries. And so what we gotta love about what Paul's teaching and showing here is that he talks about an open heart, he talks about a surrendered schedule, but we know that both of those things combined, what it does is it equals opportunity. When the church, when us, when our Chestnut Mountain Church family is open-handed with the resources that God has given us, when we are surrendered to God's schedule, I want you to hear me that there is opportunity coming for us to do the ministry and for us to do the work of God. And that is exactly what has happened over the last five months. You know, it's heartbreaking because I hear of, of churches that are even right now going, are we gonna be able to stay open? Are we gonna be able to continue doing church as we've always done church? Because of your obedient heart, because of a surrendered schedule, can I tell you what our issue has been here? 
Now look, I'm not bragging on Chestnut Mountain Church, but I'm bragging on the work of God. But our biggest dilemma here is where in the world and how many places can we serve? Because now our phone is ringing because people want us helping them. Can I tell you, that's what the church should look like? That people are knocking on our doors to say, hey, we need help. We need help. And so over the last five months, now hear me when I say that. Everything that I'm about to read to you, all the doors that have been opened wide for us here, all that I'm about to read on this list have taken place since the shutdown in March. When the schools closed, we were able to provide school staff breakfast for all of the the school workers five days a week for I think it was a month and a half, two months. For the remainder of school, we were able to deliver the bus drivers, the school teachers, the custodial staff, and the lunchroom ladies breakfast every morning. We have been able to provide 50 plus Bibles. If you remember um, one of our celebrations that we did at the beginning of the year is when we were partnering with Lyman Hall Elementary School to help launch an FCA huddle group. And praise God that they were seeing about 50 kids show up every week at this huddle. And so God laid it on our church family's heart. Do you know what? Those little kids need the word of God in their hands. And because of your faithfulness, because some of the small groups came together, we were able to go and purchase 50 plus Bibles that are the same Bibles that our children use downstairs. And we were able, we were going to distribute those to Lyman Hall for these kids. But guess what happened? COVID happened and the school shut down. But guess what? That didn't stop the work. So you know what we did? We took those 50 plus Bibles and we went into that community and we went door to door and we delivered every single Bible to every kid who wanted one. And the beauty of that is the teachers from Lyman Hall were getting messages from their students saying, thank you, I've never had a Bible in English and I've never understood the word of God the way that I do now. Then now we're in the, we're in the season right now where we're trying to find picnic tables. If you know any place that we can get picnic tables, let us know because we're providing picnic tables for some of the schools so that they can be able to, to house their kids for lunch because of social distancing, those kind of things. We've been able to help two families go from living in a hotel to finding permanent housing for them. We've continued to run a food pantry downstairs. And right now our church, you, we're providing backpacks and school supplies for the kids and the families who are gonna go back to school because here's the truth. There's families who have lost jobs. There's families who are not gonna be able to afford backpacks and school supplies. But guess what, church? We're gonna help. We're gonna be the church. And then here's an absolutely mind-blowing thing. I don't know if you remember the week that we went to total live stream when we kind of closed the doors here for worship. If you remember that that our plans changed three different times that week. Wednesday, we came out with a plan, I believe it was, or Thursday. And then Friday, restrictions got stricter and stricter. So Friday, we came back in and we did something else. And, And then on Saturday morning, we got up and we said, you know what, they said we can't have church. So Saturday morning, we canceled. Guess what? There was no way you were gonna have church. But because of your faithfulness, being open-handed with what God has given you and a team here that rallied together within less than 24 hours, we were able to acquire all of the equipment necessary and all of the bodies necessary to be able to go live stream so that church could be in your homes. But again, that doesn't happen if you're not faithful. 
And the beauty of that is we're still continuing to do live stream. By the way, hey, everybody at home. Had a young lady pray to receive Christ in her home last week while she was watching online. So through the live stream, God has given us a platform that we never thought possible. And so then even in the meantime, we've, you know, thought that, man, we'll just partner with, a, you know, another local church in Gainesville who's, who's looking for a pastor. So Jared has been going over there and being the interim pastor there. We've been providing them with, with leadership and encouragement and really just trying to put wind in the sail so that they can get the church back on track to do what God has called them to do in the city of Gainesville. And I tell you, if you don't have anything to do at five o'clock this afternoon, they'll be meeting at five o'clock this afternoon. Go over there and be a part. We've got our people who are going there this afternoon at three o'clock and guess what they do? They go on the square in Gainesville and share the gospel and invite people to church. And people say, well, wait, that's Chestnut Mountain people going over there and doing that for another church? Ha, yep. And I love it because it's about the big C church. When city, Gainesville, when city church wins, guess what? The kingdom wins. That's what it's about. So I know all that is local, but we've continued to, to give to, to missions in Nicaragua. We are still investing in the ministry of RU4 because the ministry has not stopped in Cambodia. It has not stopped in Nepal. It has not stopped in India. Bo Robinson was here this morning and he baptized two young ladies. And he told me this morning, he said, you do realize, he said, because of your faithful giving from Chestnut Mountain to Straight Street Ministries, he said, you are able to, he said, your church is able to pray, to pay for one month of rehab for women who are in rehab for sexual exploitation. But church, that's what you're doing with your open hands. So the ministry has not stopped and the doors continue to open. And all that list that I just read is all the things that have happened during the middle of a pandemic. You tell me that God doesn't honor a surrendered heart and open hands. So I am so thankful. I am so thankful for your generosity. But now as Paul gets ready to to close out chapter 16, this is, as a pastor, this is probably one of the most exciting parts of this chapter. Because what we learn about Paul as he closes out chapter 16 is that, that Paul is not just a soul winner, but Paul is a friend maker. Because if we look at that, if we look, he closes out and he shares a lot of different names of who have played a role in his ministry, who have played a role in the ministry that's going on in Corinth, who have played a role in ministry all over this country. But what I love about it is Paul didn't say, man, I'm just so thankful that there was a group of people that helped. You see what Paul did? He went through the list and he called every single one of them by name. And so what we've been seeing here over the last five months is we have been seeing growth like we never thought would happen. Over the last five months, we've had the opportunity to meet over 30 new families since our doors have been opened. Now look, not all 30 families may not end up calling this place home. I, I'm, I'm not naive to, to think that because here's the thing. Some people that are coming through, they're just here because their church is not, maybe not open yet. And you know what? I love it that they feel comfortable enough to come and sit and worship with us. 
And I want this to be a place for them to catch their breath. I want them to feel refreshed. I want them to remain faithful until God gives them the opportunity for their church home to open back up. But you know, we've seen 30 plus families come. But here's what I want you to understand. We can celebrate that. We can be excited about that. But that can't be where it stops. I know that when you walk onto this campus, you've been bombarded for the last eight weeks with all of these people with iPads. And I know some of you are going, oh, these guys, what are they doing? There's a reason that we want information. It's not so that we can hound you. It's not so that we can pester you, but we wanna do ministry the way that Jesus Christ did ministry. We wanna do ministry the way that Paul did ministry. We want our church to grow, not just so that we can have faces all across the room, but so that we can have names all across the room. You've got a team here. You've got a church family here that wants to know you by name. And that is why Paul is so, so just passion and he goes and he talks about Timothy and he says that Timothy was young but he's he's doing the work of the ministry and then he goes on to Apollos and he he said I've served with him and he's coming to join the work eventually and then he goes on to Stephanus's household and I, this is probably my favorite part of it because what he said about Stephanus and his household was that they are going to supply what you are lacking so what's interesting about that is we see what God is doing for Corinth is he's putting together all of the pieces of the puzzle so that he honors an open heart. And as the opportunity opens, God's going to provide all of the people that he's gonna need to fulfill the opportunities that open. So he's gonna provide all of the areas that we as a church lack. God is going to continue to send those people to our fellowship here. And then he goes on and he, he talks about Aquila and Priscilla, and this is a, the husband and wife dynamic duo. If you've ever looked into what they did is, man, they just, they just loved ministry. They moved from city to city helping Paul. They moved to help start churches. But what I love about their heart is this was a couple who was surrendered to the ministry of Christ. Because it says in the word that they were tent makers. And what that means is that, that ministry was not their way of gaining financial earnings for, to pay for their things. They were tent makers, meaning that they had another job. So when they would move to go and help churches start, they didn't move just their family and help start a ministry. They had to move their business. They had to move everything that they were so that they could lock arms with whatever ministry that God was leading them to. And there's no doubt in my mind that God is continuing to send Priscilla's and Aquila's here. Husband and wife teams who are sold out for the ministry. Because you know, if we've learned anything over the last five months, we've learned the value of people. Because in that three month period where we weren't together, it created a hunger and a desire in me to wanna to be with you like I've never wanted to be with you. And so reading this passage, we see that Paul is challenging Corinth and this is where I had to examine our hearts. Are we being stewards with the finances that God has given us here for the ministry work? 
Are we stewarding every opportunity that God opens for us here at Chestnut Mountain? But then lastly, are we a stewarding the people that God sends here? Because I have no idea how many people have began to, to attend here because of the live stream. They've seen what's going on here. They see what God's doing here and it's opened their eyes to, hey, I wanna be a part of something like that. But all of that is about God building a ministry team here so that we can fulfill the opportunities that he gives us. But you know, all of the money, all of the opportunities, they're all valueless without people. They're all valueless without you. And so outside the Holy Spirit of an almighty God, Chestnut Mountain Church, I want you to hear me when I say this, that you are Chestnut Mountain Church's greatest asset. You are this church's greatest asset. And from the bottom of my heart, I wanna let you know how much I appreciate and love you that God has sent you here, that God has placed you here so that we can fulfill the ministry opportunities that are gonna wide, that are gonna open wide for all of us. And so, you know, I don't know, this morning I know that the kind of response is a little bit different, but I would ask you the question, when is the last time that you've been thankful? Maybe you've been at Chestnut Mountain for 40, 50 years. Maybe you've been here for five weeks. But when is the last time that you have honestly thanked God for your church family? You know, and I know that you say, well, I don't know anybody, nobody really knows me, but I can promise you we're working to. We're trying hard to. I had like 12 people come out in the lobby just a minute ago and said, my name is so-and-so, my name is so-and-so. Do you know how many of those I'll remember next week? Probably not a one of them, but I'm gonna try. But the beautiful part of this is there was a time about a year ago that we could gather in the office on Monday morning and we would have conversation as to new families or somebody who was missing and we would then spend the time following up with these people who weren't here or, or new people who were here. And I remember I could go out into the lobby on any given Sunday morning and I could ask Lawrence, hey, who's that couple over there? Well, that's so-and-so and so-and-so, you know, their social security number is this and I get, you know, their address is this and he could tell me everything. But now we go into the office on Monday mornings, I can walk out there in the lobby and say, who's that couple over there? I have no idea. But you know what? I love it. I love it that God is sending new faces and new families to build this ministry here. And so for Chestnut Mountain Church, if you call this place home, 
When's the last time you thanked God for this home? When's the last time you thanked God that this is the body of believers that God has called you to? But you know, maybe you're here this morning and and God's doing a work in your family and maybe you've been visiting around and maybe you've been trying to figure out where God wants you. Can I tell you that change is never fun? Change is always painful. When God began to call me out of our local church where we had served for over 10 years, can I tell you that I shed more tears over having to leave than I ever have anything in my life? Because I didn't want to. It's tough. But I can stand here today and I can look at you and I can say I've never been more thankful that God has placed me with a family to lock arms and to change the world with. And so maybe this morning you just simply need to be on your face thanking God for this place called home. Or maybe you need to be on your face and you need to say, God, is this the place you want us to call home? And if this is the place that you feel that God is wanting you to call home, on September 23rd, we will be doing a membership class. I hope we've changed it like 27 times in the last month and a half. But as of right now, it is September 23rd. You can go online and sign up for that and you'll be receiving information to get ready to what that next step looks like for you becoming a part of this fellowship here. But I would just ask you this morning to surrender to God's voice. He tells us that if you'll acknowledge me, I will direct your path. And when God directs our path, can I tell you, it's not always fun. It's not always easy. But remember, we've got to surrender our heart. We've got to surrender our agenda. And when we do that, opportunity will come. God, I thank you, Lord, for my Chestnut Mountain Church family. And God, I know that there's people in both hours that you are drawing to this place. And God, I am thankful for that. But God, maybe there's people that are, that are trying to battle and figure out where God wants them. Lord, I just pray that they would surrender to your voice this morning. But God, I just pray that we would be thankful. That we would be thankful for the work that you are continuing to allow us to see just to simply be a part of it. And God, for that, we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.